Welcome to the Thunderstock Show, a collection of valuable brainstorms to enhance your life, liberty, and pursuit of property. Today's guest is a Lebanon County resident as well as a fractional mark, a fractional financial uh, officer, fractional CFO, executive coach, family man, and lawn care connoisseur, David Bainey. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So this is an audio only podcast. One of the times where I really wish we had video is to see David's polos. So one of the first things after I met him that was obvious is the guy has a knack for picking polos that are marketable, uh, whether that's the bright flamingo pink or that's the uh, very crispy lines on the, on the lawn care. Um, yeah, shout, shout out to uh, Forefathers for having a uh, mowing lawn stripe shirt for uh, polos for dads that are into the lawn care like I am. How did you get into caring about lawn care? I understand being from Lebanon County, Myerstown area, there's quite a bit of land. Were you one of the kids that was like, hey, dad, I want to mow the lawn? Like, you don't get to do it? No, honestly, I didn't even pick that up until uh, probably after college that I was just found a fascination with uh, golf courses. And I was like, I just want a lawn that looks that crisp. So then you start chasing that dream further and further. How do you get the lines? How do you get the stripes? How do I cross hatch? Uh, so, you know, you watch enough YouTube videos and you figure all that stuff out. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I guess golf courses set the standard for immaculate lawn care. So yeah, can totally yep. uh, understand that. It's funny when, when David came over, I was like, most people are like, oh, don't mind the house. It's it's messy because of the kids. I was like, don't mind the lawn. I forgot to mow it. <laughs> <laughs> but that that aside, there's a couple things that I really want to touch on and talk to. I think um, with the theme of the show, Life, Liberty, and Pursuit of Property, I think one of the first conversations I had with David uh, when in helping a prospective client of mine, you know, he asked, before anything else was like, what's your vision? Like, what's your dream? And I want to, I want to, you know, touch on that because when I talk to other financial people, it's like, all right, like, you know, what's your PFS and how much capital do you have? Like really focus on numbers and you're more focused on like mission and, and vision. So I want to, you know, t- tap into that. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of live by the, uh, structure that, you know, Stephen Covey once put in his book, uh, start with the end in mind. And, you know, I really build my focus of how I work with clients off of that uh, end goal because too often you see clients that want to go out and start a business and everybody gets really pumped and excited, but they really only have a product or a service that they want to offer and don't necessarily think about how do I maximize either that value, that service, um, what's the benefit that this is going to create, and what is the purpose that I'm doing this for? And kind of long-term thinking, um, you know, is this for transitional purposes? Do I have another generation? Um, do I want another generation if you don't have it right now? Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, or is this to maximize a sale? I want to retire. I want to get, I had a client tell me one time, I want to get to a $2.5 million beach home in Myrtle Beach, which I completely appreciate um, the vision. So basically what I get the capacity then to do in my job is say, okay, how do we meet that vision to reality of where you're at with your business now and where you're going to go um, and back into 
those concepts and say, okay, well, if we want to get to, you know, a two and a half million dollar beach home and you're going to need, you know, $4 million on top of that to put in to an investment account that pays you 4% a year for your cost of living and your maintenance. And you can cast all this stuff out. Um, so don't hold yourself back from dreaming big, I think, in what that long-term vision is going to be. Because it's going to help if you work with the right uh, team of people. It's going to work to give you clarity on your goals, give you clarity on what do I need to accomplish and by when and how much. Um, and the more specific you get on those goals, the better actions you're going to take to be an accomplishment of those. I had a guest on my podcast before, maybe two, three months ago, who does uh, exit strategies and planning for baby boomer business owners. And he said the number one most common problem that they face is they didn't think time uh, would be like time went too fast. In other words, they got to the end of the road. They're like, all right, like let's start planning for the end. And he's like, we're already 65, 70. Yeah. Like it's going to take us five years to have the, like it's at least a five year process is what he was saying to get everything financially ready for that. Yep. And David, you're 33. Correct. 33. Yep. So we're the same age. And, you know, you're half the age of a lot of these clients of a, of a former uh, guest of mine. And it sounds like you're taking people through this process now. And I'm assuming you've already kind of started with the end in mind. Yep. So can you talk about what that vision casting looks like for your business, for your family, et cetera? Yeah, so uh, definitely two different parts for business and family and how they merge at the end. Um, I will just start off by saying on the family side, I have a wonderful wife and uh, single daughter, Lily, who um, is just going to be turning five here in October. Uh, a great bundle of energy, I'll put it as best as I can with that. <laughs> um, but, I mean, we have um, plans for what it is that we want to accomplish very early in life. When my wife and I got together, even prior to Lily, having those conversations, um, and we really just did a refresh recently just to make sure that, that alignment stays there. Um, but for us, you know, our conversation, we're the Disney fanatic adults. You know, you see the pros and cons of that on Instagram anymore, and you know, <laughs> so, some people say, oh, my God, you must be mentally ill to like Disney that much. And some people say, I would love to be able to go there uh, as much as I possibly can. And I'm a happy medium. I like to get a few weeks a year where I go down to Florida. I don't need to spend it all in the Magic Kingdom, per se. But uh, I've enjoyed all the different seasons that Disney has to offer in Epcot, food and wine festivals, flower and garden festivals, Halloween, Christmas Basically, okay. anything you can imagine. I've probably been to Disney for other than uh, the heat of the summer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't blame you there. But uh, where that kind of leads is, you know, my wife and I, um, our long term vision strategy was to get down to Disney. They have a little portion of uh, land called Golden Oak, which is residing on Disney property that you can own homes down there. So that was kind of one of our big ever since I first uh, met her conversations of what are we going to do? What's the end goal? That's your Myrtle uh, Beach beach yeah, house. Yeah, that's that's my Myrtle Beach beach house in that scenario. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit more expensive than that yet. Um, but to get there, I think one of the things that we're doing that's very important is setting values for the family and how it is that we uh, make decisions and interact with uh, friends, family, uh, people outside the family, and the choices that we make. 
And I think that that's extremely important for uh, whether you're a business owner or not to really get finalized and fine-tuned on what those values are. Um, so if I sit here, you know, I could tell you our six values are health, wealth, uh, growth, um, security, and uh, blanket for a second, family, and... Uh, there's another one. Yeah. It's okay. There's another one. It's fresh. It's a process. It's a, it's process. a process. We just, like I said, we did a recent refresh on, on that. Um, so, but, you know, basically where I was getting with that uh, as a good example was, you know, using those uh, values to really make decisions for how we're moving forward. I had an opportunity recently. I was asked by an education foundation to do a donation because they know I have a business in the area. And, you know, I was looking at it as like, oh, it's, you know, $2,500 might be a good opportunity. I got my name on a little plaque for doing the donation. Mm -hmm. And my wife and I had a conversation about it and it came down to, you know, while education is important to us, the health is one of those primary values that we have. And I had an opportunity between that and another, uh, uh, foundation called health network foundation, which is for business owners and CEOs, um, to donate to, for, um, the benefit of growing the educational clinical side of uh, healthcare, and we ended up going that route and making that decision because it aligned better with the values that we had. So we're using that for the decision-making process um, to really just make sure that we're giving clarity to how we move forward. And a lot of that uh, really rolls over then to the business side as well, and talking about well, what is the end goal in mind for the business. And what are the decisions and how we define the decisions we're going to make to get to where we want to go? Um, so having those core values for a business and having the mission statement, while, you know, nine times out of 10, I think when you start a business, it's like, oh, that's the fluff stuff. You know, a lot of business owners say, I don't need to have these core values that I throw up on my website because, you know, people say I should just have them. Uh, and I've been there. I was like, when I started out in business, I was like, eh, a little fluffy, you know. I was part of some peer groups that had talked to me about it, but more and more as I've uh, aged and matured now, um, I've really seen the clarity that that can help provide to uh, business owners and their executive teams. Well, one of the things that I've observed with talking with you, you know, your business is BMS, Bainey Management Strategies. You help people make decisions. And I think at least in my own life, having these core values, the mission, the purpose is a filter that I use in order to help better make decisions in my life. And it's not like I, I look at business as not all just numbers and spreadsheets. Although a lot of people misattribute, you know, what you do to probably oh, only Excel and models and things yeah. like that. But you really take a, a human approach first with, you know, does this align with the, the um, core values and the mission and then the numbers and things are like used as evidence to support like later once that like mission question kind of gets answered. Is that? Yep. Yeah. I accurate? mean, that's what uh, I get to do. I get to enjoy. I'll put it uh, working with Excel documents, QuickBooks, Sage, <laughs> all the different uh, accounting softwares, working with your local CPAs, um, you know, and looking at the tax side of things. But, you know, to that extent, you know, a lot of times business owners, again, in that startup phase are always looking at how, how do I minimize my taxes? Like, I don't want to cut check to the government. 
you know, how do I reduce my tax liabilities? And I have a very good friend uh, that has basically said, hey, taxes is the tail that wags the dog. And at the end of the day, you want to show income. So from where I sit on that strategic growth standpoint of a business, um, you know, the CPA in the room, I had somebody tell me one time, it would be a great argument to see between a CPA and attorney and myself sitting in a room talking about how to grow a business. Because the CPA is going to sit there and say, oh, well, we can look at your tax liabilities and really cut that back and make sure we're controlling your costs. We have historicals that are telling us certain percentages of you know, how you're going to move your business forward. And the attorney's going to sit in that room and he's going to say, hey, you, know, you have this legal liability. We should add this certain layer of protection. You know, maybe restructure how the entity's set up um, you know, and focus on that. And I'm sitting there and saying, okay, like, let, let's move this business forward. Like, let's talk about where we're going to be in five years. Let's talk about where we're going to be in 10 years and get a plan that's going to get you there. Because if I need to go out and get $5 million of lending, I can't show my business doing $0 of income for the sake of saving a couple bucks on tax. I'd much rather show a million dollar profit, cut a quarter million dollar check and then move on, you know? And really get that business fired up that it continues to make that income. Um, and I'm not saying that tax strategy isn't important. I don't want to downplay that um, and the ability to leverage debt to you know, mitigate tax obligations and things like that. There's definitely a technical aspect. But I never let that be the driver for the decisions of the business and where they want to get. I think another way to put it is you don't major in the minors. Yeah. You focus on the most important problems to solve. And, you know, it's almost like <laughs> um, if, if someone's writing a book and they spend 80% of the time on the cover art and 20% of the time on the content of the book, it's like, eh, I think you missed the, yeah. the yeah. boat there. Yeah, defin- definitely uh, a different focus. So I want to um, ask you, you know, at 33... The last time I've talked, you said you've done at least 15 different um, financial restructures in the last three years. Yep. How did you get to the point to be a fractional CFO for those that don't know your backstory? Yeah. So it's an interesting uh, backstory that I came with. I actually started out in family business and already at the ripe age of 13 was working uh, that my father put me to work on the summers Either it was uh, doing accounts payable or receivables or payroll or, you know, learning just the ins and out of business. Every summer was a new activity. Um, And I was going to be coming into third generation for the family. And ultimately, the long story short was, you know, it was a very successful business from 1965. And it has trials and tribulations, market fluctuations. But uh, we made the decision in the early 2000s that we were going to double down the size of the business, you know, again, kind of that end goal, like, where do we want to get, we want to continue to grow. Um, but unfortunately, you know, there are the things that you can project and predict and say, how are we doing on debt service uh, for the business versus the income coming in um, and all of that. But what you can't necessarily predict is, hey, the market's going to blow up in your face and you're going to have a massive recession. So absolutely, ultimately, you know, we went out, we had took on multiple millions of dollars of debt. Um, moved in September of 2008, literally when the market's just crashing apart, um, and had a new twenty-two thousand uh, dollar a month mortgage payment. And this is for that business. And this is your first year of college, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm <laughs> perfect. Yeah, I I graduated high school in 08. 
Uh, so really kind of just getting ready to head into college. And my father, being the wise man he is, basically said, David, you've had the opportunity to live through all the benefits and see the benefits that we've had in this business for you know the first 18 years of your life. Uh, you're about to see all the challenges that come with that. And my father lived through that in the late 80s. They had you know some mm. market fluctuations and challenges. Um, and so he basically said, you're going to learn this, you know, you're going to see it. So I sat in every accountant meeting, sat with the attorneys, the banks, um, while you were in school, while I was in school. Yeah. I would, I would miss a business class if I had to, to go to an accountant meeting. And honestly, well, yeah, cause the education that meeting was equivalent to MBA. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. It was, it was significantly, uh, more impactful to my career and my knowledge basis than, yeah. you know, college. And I don't want to downplay college, but um text to real life can sometimes be a little different so um (laughs) basically you know there was a a great gentleman shout out to david lynch from lynch financial in the Mannheim area um that we had worked with that he was a kind of a workout specialist you know he had a banking background and he really took me under his wing um you know and was was one of the most influential mentors i had through that time period um just learning the ropes of what do banks look at? How are they assessing this on the backside? You know, what are the potential risks? What happens if if this happens that we don't have, you know, the right debt service coverage ratio? Um, how is the bank going to react to that? How do we prepare for that reaction before it even happens? Um, so we did a, a great job coming out of it. You know, we had worked with a bank and we were in what they call special assets, which is the the workout department essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got worked out of them and we moved to another bank and all was well. So by 2012, 2013, things are humming along again. Um, got the business revenue back up, got the profitability back up. Ultimately, uh, for that business, what ended up happening was the bank that we had moved to sold to another bank. And in that acquisition, um, coincidence of timing, we had a project uh, where a sub for us went belly up and we got kicked off the bond in the meantime. So, um, we had a pretty decent loss to write off. And while it wasn't something that our banking relationship wasn't able to have a conversation, be like, Hey, you know, this isn't going to be great this year. It's a one-time incident. The new bank coming in basically said, we don't really like that industry. Uh, so basically in, oh, in, in the worst, man. in the worst timing that you could ever ask for, uh, basically bank a that we were with, uh, got bought by bank B bank B told bank a in the transaction that you need to write this debt down to zero. And when we got the finalization of that bank transaction, bank B said, if we could sell a pencil for 50 cents, we're coming to get it. Um, so again, kind of, you know, buckled down. We knew what was going to happen this time. And we really ultimately got to a point where the conversation was, what do we want to do? Do we want to kind of keep bearing down and going through this issue and do work out again for another couple of years, ultimately grow the business? Um, or do we really just want to move on? And the family decision was essentially, we're going to move on. We're going to do other things. Um, so we were able, excuse me, to put a plan in place to um, move out of that business. So we ended up selling it to a multi-billion dollar corporation. 
Um, didn't make some massive windfall that everybody thinks happens when you sell a business. Right. You know, but we were able to really protect our assets and, you know, move on and become more successful in other careers. Um, so while it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, all in combination. Um, but for me, what it ended up doing was creating that opportunity to now not be in a family business, but take all of that experience and package it into what can I offer to other businesses that don't want to go this route? You know, who doesn't want to be in, you don't want to be in workout. Like, just be clear about that. Like nobody ever wants to get to workout. Nobody wants to get to doing like a chapter 11 reorganization, mm. you know, and I had the opportunity to live through all this different experience that I could basically say, Hey, as a consultant for your business, I know all the flags. I know where not to go, the decisions not to make, and I'm going to take this failure and create success from it. Um, so I was able to stem off my business, um, very shortly after that and begin doing consulting to keep businesses out of that spot. And, uh, it really ultimately was helpful because I developed those relationships with the banks. They knew how I worked and did what I did. Um, so I was able to get a lot of referrals and kind of build my business up, uh, with what they saw as potentially distressed clients coming up if they're not already distressed and keep them away from that. So mm. it was a kind of win-win for the client, win-win for the bank. Um, and I was able to really grow off of that. One of the, the parts of that story that stood out and I think is worth following up on is you said that there was a gentleman, I think David Lynch, you said, yep, that you owe, um, you know, as a mentor helping out a lot. And with your family business, you know, growing up, working in the family business at 13 and, and having that mentor while you're finishing college and whatnot, um, how do you think those mentor roles or peer groups or any other masterminds you may have been a part of impacted your business and also ultimately drove your decision with the consulting too? Because I think a lot of consulting that people understand is also coaching, like yep. the human aspect of things. So can you kind of touch on that? Yeah, I mean, the so I'll put it this way. When my dad got into the issue that he did already in 2008, um, very on, he met a gentleman named John Dame, who in central Pennsylvania region is like the godfather of business consultants. Okay. Um, John actually heads up a bunch of uh, groups called Vistage, which is a peer-to-peer -peer CEO and key executive groups. Um, and my dad got to meet John. He ended up joining one of these Vistage groups. And it was very influential on my father already in, I believe it was 2010, he started that um, on how to make the paradigm shifts that he needed for the business to come out of the recession, really grow the business moving forward. Um, and so I had gotten to meet John over that experience as well, um, not doing a group at the time, but, you know, I was asked to be a guest at one of his key exec groups here or there, you know, maybe once or twice a year. Um, and when I graduated college, um, John had been, you know, dealing with me and also serving as a mentor. And he said, David, he's like, you know, I've watched you grow with your father. He's like, I think you're going to become successful. Um, and he actually gave me a Vistage membership for one year to join with this key executive group, um, which, you know, I think right now the fees are $750, $800 a month, yeah. you know, for a one year membership. Um, so it wasn't a cheap financial thing for him to offer up, but it also was something that I think he saw the value in the group and he believed in the groups that he had, um, and, you know, knew that I would benefit from that. And I'll say, um, I ended up being in that one year, 
2012 to 2013, and then I was in 2013 through 2017 when we sold our business. Um, and I was with their key executive group. To this day, I still meet on a monthly basis, even though uh, I don't participate in Vistage anymore. I still meet on a regular basis with many of the people that were part of that original group back mm. in 2012. So some of them have said uh, they watched me going from having my uh, permit to basically being able to buy a drink at the bar. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I gained a lot. I contribute a lot of uh, the success that I've had also, you know, not just the Dave Lynch, but to the Vistage, the John Dame world. Um, and I also participate in a few other groups, uh, high business center for family businesses offers a great program. Um, you know, I think that that was a great participation for me for a few years as well. Um, and then I have ultimately ended up starting a peer group, uh, with myself. Um, I participate in other local Lebanon County peer group right now. So I have two ongoing currently. Um, but I'm also working on, um, doing executive coaching now. So I'm kind of on the flip side of that. And I've gained enough experience where, you know, even if I'm sitting down with somebody that's, you know, been in business for 10, 15 years, the experiences that I have are significantly different than what most people do. So I'm able to give a different angle, a different view of, you know, what should you be doing, thinking about in your business to move forward. Um, you know, I think ultimately at some point in my life, you know, I'd like to be involved with uh, heading up some peer groups as well. And really getting into that consultancy much more. No, I, I totally uh, can respect how that has influenced and shaped. And then as far as vision casting and planning for goals, I could see like, you know, once you've achieved your home near Disney world, you know, it might, it might be nice to add that to your, your list of things, um, you know, as a professional service provider, because right now I'm counting that you have a blog, Lessons with Lily. Yep. So yeah, so I, plug I have, there. Yeah, two two plugs on that. I have a website with the blog, um, and I also post it up to my LinkedIn, Facebook, and uh, Twitter accounts. But or not not Twitter anymore, X. Yeah. Whatever X. you want to call that. But uh, you know, I share that. So I have one fairly serious blog, and we're actually we're talking about transition planning through the course of the rest of this year. Um, ultimately ending the year out in December of the, what does post-transaction life look like? Mm. Um, after you've sold that business and walked away, what's next? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where that's going to be headed. But then I also enjoy, uh, the conversations I get to have with my four-year-old right now. <clears throat> and, you know, uh, I've started this little blog called Lessons with Lily, where we're able to take you know, business lessons that come out of the experiences we have in life, like Monopoly Junior. And I think the first one I put up was talking about perseverance and my daughter essentially getting to, uh, I owned Park Place, you know, on the board and, mm -hmm. and, uh, she paid up her last $5 that she had to me when she landed on it. And so she's out of money, but she had enough to pay me for the $5. And so she looks at me and she's like, ah, oh, I'm out. You know, I can't keep going. And my wife's kind of like, yeah, you're out. You know, let her lead on a little bit. And I was like, well, wait a second. And I was like, you're not out yet. And I was like, you still paid me. You got a roll left. And I said, if you don't roll, as long as you roll more than like a three, you're eight to go money and keep going. Mm. And so my daughter looked at me and she's like, oh, great. So. Basically, the next roll comes around. She rolls like a six, goes by, gets her to go money. You got her out of workout, and yeah, she got her out of workout. <laughs> so uh, you know, I think that was a great lesson on kind of persevere. Like whether you 
um, think you're out, down and out, there always might be that opportunity yet. And to take that and put that into really that business value um, of just don't ever easily give up, you know. Mm. So been applying a lot of uh, topics like that to this Lessons with Lily, and it's been a great experience for both me and my daughter. So, And so you have this full-time father. You're very... Uh, active and engaged father you're doing your all your own blog writing i'm assuming you don't have a ghostwriter you're writing it yourself uh i get, I get a little bit of help you get a little I, bit of I help. Get, yeah i'm yeah. i'm not the easiest writer but uh i get some fine tuning yeah yeah, yeah. so some fine not chat gpt no nope. no all human um you have bms and you're doing the executive coaching as a service added on the management strategies. Yep. And for those of you that maybe aren't familiar with when we're talking about management strategies or chief financial officer work, one of the main things that businesses need, and they don't necessarily know they need, is to understand how to acquire and manage their debt. Um, the business 101 uh, of accounting, you know, where money goes and payables, receivables and cash and all, all those things that, you know, you learn about the entry level of business, that's fine. But when it comes to future casting, I, I, I look at finance as being the art and science of like money in the future. And again, correct me, you know, put your own, yeah. own spin on it to, to the, for the 101 audience members that may not understand. Yeah. So, I mean, the fractional CFO, thing just to clarify on that so basically i'm taking you know what a lot of time you're looking at for a much larger organization and splitting that time down and uh sharing that kind of strategic financial angle for a small business that can't afford to have a quarter million dollar type person on salary um so i'm just taking all that knowledge base and breaking it out amongst multiple clients um but you know really what encompasses that strategic finance is just more so on the forecast side debt management, um, you know, and strategic planning that really overlays into operations. That's what's a lot of times, well, I go by the fractional CFO uh, in quotations type uh, description, really operational consulting just falls right in the groove with that because, you know, to be successful in finance, you have to have operational plans that also get executed along with that. So helping create strategy there as well. Um, but then, you know, like you were saying with the debt financing, a lot of times that's a very complex world for a lot of people. You know, it's not as simple as calling your bank up and just saying, hey, I want a couple million bucks to do something with my business. Um, you know, I've worked with some clients where, you know, they started out and it was like, oh, I need $100,000. Well, that's relatively simple, like not to downplay it, but. You know, if you've got a good business, a good plan, you know, a lot of times you can get simple financing pretty quickly, pretty easily. Um, but then you have those complex situations where maybe you've had a business that started up a year or two ago and they're still finding their feet. Maybe they had net losses and you have to then be able to say to the bank, hey, I know I've had losses. They're startup losses. Here's how I'm forecasting my business for the next five years. I'm going to have the growth that's going to support a much larger amount of debt. I need to get the debt to make that growth happen. Um, and so, you know, the, the risk for the bank side is to say, okay, well, are you going to execute? And, you know, having a tight plan and saying, here are all the things that I'm going to be doing to make sure that that happens uh, and that we're following this plan. And that if I send you quarterly financials or 
annual financials at a very minimum that you're going to have an expectation and we're going to meet or exceed that expectation. Um, getting that whole plan together is really where the value comes in for what I do because I'm able to look at that and say, okay, let's talk about where we're going to get in five years, work backwards, get the plans in place, get the tasks, roll out the first year budget, and start executing and then follow up on a regular basis to make sure that that's happening. And if we're falling off somewhere, having the right communication with the business, having the right communication with the bank so that there's no surprises. I can tell you uh, one of the craziest situations I have had was a business owner who went out and borrowed a quarter million dollars. And, you know, this is a professional services and I don't want to disclose too much about it, but uh, basically borrowed a quarter million dollars. The same year he borrowed that quarter million dollars uh, took owner's distributions of 300000 No way. Yeah. So you're looking at it and you're like, okay, so not only did you take the entire loan that you got for your business and pull it out the door to pay for personal expenses, you took another $50,000 of working capital and stripped it out. And the business owner, you know, not greatly financially savvy was just looking at me. He's like, what's the problem with that? And I was like, well, you kind of took the business operation funding that you got, which was supposed to fund growing your business and you grew it into your pocket. Uh, so that's one of those kind of like extreme examples where I've looked at case to case basis and ultimately uh, walked away from that deal uh, pretty quickly. I because- mean, I, I don't mean to make any biblical references, but it's like there's a stairway to heaven and, and like there's a highway to hell. And I mean, not to make a generalization, I don't know the situation, but like that's a fast track way of hurting yeah. your your business. And I think what people you know need to understand about what you do technically is you're like, okay, what mountain do you want to scale? Not only will I plot a map for you, but I'll be like your Sherpa and help you climb it. Yeah. St- each step of the way, right? Yeah. And you said the highway to hell. I could tell you, he bought a Lamborghini to get there. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so, Oof. yeah. But I mean, I, I do think the Sherpa reference is probably very relevant. And I will tell you, similar to that, that uh, a lot of times with business owners, what you don't realize, and really falling back to the executive coaching and uh, value of peer groups is the farther up the mountain you climb, the quieter it gets. The less you get to have conversations. You can't go with your friends that you Mm. have at home and have a conversation about why you're so stressed with work and all the like nitty-gritty details. A lot of times they don't, you know, your general friends from high school are not going to know how to have that conversation. Yeah, that's a good point. So having a peer group and having a coach to have a conversation with that understands more deeply what you're going through or maybe has scenarios that they've lived through that they can give that feedback uh, is very impactful because it's lonely at the top. You know, there's not a lot of people that get there. So the farther up you go and the more you grow, the more difficult it is to actually have people to have good conversations about business with. Man, that is, it is so um, reminiscent of the quote that, you know, you are the company you keep or you're the, you're the average of the five people in your inner circle. And, you know, it's, it's fine. Like if your goal is to, is to, you know, work a job that you tolerate that, you know, makes the money that can support you and your family, that's, it's a fine goal. And you get to spend your free time either doing a pickup basketball league or a fat, like a slow pitch softball league or playing fantasy football 
whatever hobby you want to pursue, like enjoy your life. Like if that's what you want to do, but what's so important that we discussed in the beginning of the podcast was setting your intention and, and really defining like who you want to be, who your goal is, and then mapping the actions you have to take to get there. And like, I think one of the things that I will say personally that I learned the hard way through taking the step from being a W2 employee to being, you know, an owner was how hard it was to try and bring friends from high school that had like the same hobbies and interests that I did when I was growing up, like, you know, being a kid and then try and be like, Hey, check out this thing. And then realizing that like, Hey, you can't force somebody into your core values. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, uh, I will say for anybody thinking about getting started in a business, vacationing becomes much more difficult in your life when you become your own business owner uh, than being on W-2. You don't get to walk away from that phone. I had a great conversation with somebody recently talking about that struggle. And, you know, one of the things I was able to do when I was a W-2 employee was essentially, you know, go on a two-week vacation, close the phone down. You know, if the place burnt down, there were other people to deal with it. Um, you know, nowadays, you know, if I get a client that has an issue, I'm on the phone. It doesn't matter where I'm at. Yeah. You know, and you try to create disconnect and you block times out and say, Hey, only call me between these hours. But, uh, you know, it's a very different style to travel, to try to relax, to find that time. Uh, and especially for now, like having my daughter, you know, it, it's much more challenging to find the times to walk away to really enjoy just the one-on-ones. So, you know, being intentional, I think, is the key there of really saying, like, this is when we're going to do certain things. I mean, back to that kind of family atmosphere, I started doing family meetings once a week now. Um, So we get together, we talk about, you know, reviewing what are our core values again, um, talking about what are we doing for groceries for the week, meal planning. Uh, We do a financial update, talking about our net worths and, um, you know, things going on and, you know, talking about future activities. So we ended up, uh, you know, getting a rolling list together, essentially of what do we want for vacations? What do we want for activities? How are we meshing this into the whole mix and being very intentional on getting that time blocked out to do that? I have two quick stories to relate to that lesson when I was an owner for probably my third year in business. I went on my honeymoon and I got yelled at for taking work calls because I, I would just was, I just, it was not a great, not a great period of the honeymoon. <laughs> um, so get prepared. Like that's something you have to schedule and balance. And when you're the person that has to be on these calls with either a big clients or, you know, internal, you know, things that need to be done, you kind of have to get yelled at by your wife. Yeah. And, uh, I also, the turning point for me was when I, I was in a business that I co-founded and tons of great experience and overall positive, very positive experience. But I was in the delivery room for my one now one year old child and I was on work calls and zooms and answering email. And I'm like, I got to make a decision right now from a core value standpoint, standpoint. Do I want my role in this business to take precedent or do I want my role as a father and husband to take precedent? So I don't wish that fork in the road on anyone and those that can have all of them. Like I absolutely admire. Um, and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now ultimately, um, because of just the nature of, of priorities and core values changing and, and evolving. And like sometimes life takes, you know, 
pass and you're like, Hey, this looks like the way to the top of the mountain. You're like, nah, there's a cliff. Like yep. gotta turn around. So to use that analogy once again, yeah. Sh- shout out to the uh, great supporting uh, spouses and kids and family members that uh, deal with that. Even during the most difficult times, I very relate. I started my consulting uh, probably two weeks after we had our daughter, Lily. So, you know, I think my wife would tell me that was probably the best and worst time of her life for the yeah. first six months. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me being around and not being around. So, no, a hundred percent. My wife would say something similar. Like it was incredibly hard to make the jump, but like so glad that I did because, um, for various reasons. Yep. That's awesome. So I want to ask, you know, what, what do you like, like from an enjoyment, from a fulfillment standpoint about what you do, what do you like the most about not only your role, but like who you serve as your clients and like the area? Because we're in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, and when I talk to people on Zoom from all around the world, like other vendors or prospects, I'm like, I'm from Lebanon, like never heard of it. That makes sense. Do you know where Philadelphia is? Yes. All right. I'm like an hour and a half west of that. That's how I describe it. So how, but really it feels like home and it feels like the community that I want to serve. So enough about me, like touch on what is it like to, to serve the clients that you serve? So I got to start by saying that I usually, I usually go the route saying 10 miles east of Hershey. Oh, okay. (laughs) Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Closer of a landmark. Yeah. Yep. And everybody's like, Oh, the chocolate place. Yep. Can you smell from there? Nope. (laughs) baloney yeah go for go for lebanon baloney <laughs> but uh yeah no i mean i will say i really like lebanon from the standpoint of how central it actually is to a lot of stuff like i can go 30 to 40 minutes anyway and go to why i'm missing burks redding lehigh um especially where i'm parked over towards myerstown i mean i can get to lancaster i can get to harrisburg mechanicsburg york york's probably the biggest drive for me for where mm-hmm. i participate mm-hmm. but uh you know, it, it's very central. It's just in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but it's in the middle of everywhere, <clears throat> but nothing around it. Yeah. Yeah. Inside of it. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't go trying to buy a food at a takeout on a Sunday. It's very difficult around here. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, for what I do, one of the things that I've really enjoyed is that, you know, when you're working that W2 job, I mean, unless you're in some specialized financial consulting world already or something, you don't get the opportunity to work with very different types of businesses. Like what I get to do is so wonderful in the sake that I get to see everything. I mean, I've worked with places from pizza shops to uh, daycares to large manufacturers to just kind of anything. Um, And, you know, a lot of times I tell people 85 to 90% of your businesses are all the exact same. We all have the same issues. We all have issues with hiring right now. Mm-hmm. We have issues with, um, you know, just making sure our financials are straight. You know, all the struggles that exist are across the board, the same struggles for a large majority of it. Um, so it makes my life easy in certain ways because I don't have to really learn a lot about the industries to really still be very impactful for their business. Um, but it gives me a unique perspective because when I get to go into businesses that I've never uh even learned or thought to learn about those industries i get such a great education i mean i just recently started working with <clears throat> a cbd client that Interesting. you know is a totally different world than what i'm used to um but it's been great and i've been able to be very impactful and helpful from that standpoint 
um, you know, I continue to look forward uh, to the conversations that we get to have about where that market's heading and, you know, how you can kind of be prepared for, you know, the opportunities that could come forward and also how to be prepared for the potential risks that come forward. Um, so really that mix of working with clients has been probably the most um, beneficial. But the thing I really love is when you're working with those tough clients, the ones mm. where they get in. And, you know, a lot of times, unfortunately, I get the phone call when it's like, hey, I got really tight on cash flow. Payroll was already tight last week, and I'm thinking I need some help. Um, you know, it'll, <laughs> I get to look at that and say, okay, well, you know, a call six months ago would have been a little bit nicer. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, there's a way out. Mm. You know, and that's where I think a lot of times people get hung up. It, because, it's like that Monopoly lesson with Lily. Yeah. You just got to roll a th- uh, three or above. Yeah. Yeah. You got you to gotta know how to roll the dice. There's a couple plays to make, you know, and, you know, there's a couple opportunities that people don't even understand that exist out there. Um, you know, COVID made that even easier to some extent because some of those struggling businesses were able to get, mm. you know, the additional funding. And some walked out stronger out of COVID than really what they were going in. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting for that time period, but, uh, you know, there's always an opportunity, you know, there's really far and few between businesses I've ever looked at and felt like, Hey, there's really no long-term exit. I think I've had one client in the last three years where it was like, eh, you know, I'm probably not the person you need to be talking to. Mm. It might be the attorney route at this point. Um, but otherwise, I mean, I've really been able to help struggling businesses get out of where they're at and thrive and it's very impactful emotionally for me because i know like i said where i've been and those challenges and uh getting people out of that uh just makes you feel good you know it's a very impact especially when they have larger amounts of employees i can't uh probably calculate correctly the amount of influence i've had on communities that people have no idea who i am some days yeah but it's like oh yeah well i saved 150 jobs from you know being being uh potentially out of their job and you know nobody will know that but and i get creating I get, jobs yeah by growing the business yeah, yeah i mean i've had clients that have gone from one location to three four um you know so i get to kind of be behind the scenes on that yeah um and be impactful without having to be like you know face forward on all of that per se i mean it must be kind of what Bruce Wayne or Clark Kent feel like when they have the alter ego that everyone knows the work they do out and you know with their avatar of Superman and Batman but when they go home they're like yeah you know I'm just a regular guy just you know yeah I mean I've, I've that's probably pretty, that's a that's a impactful I mean not to hype it up and you know call you Baney man like a superhero but like in a way you don't get that same feeling from most like unless you pour unless you felt it yourself and you, you pour your heart into the work you do I mean, like, again, it goes back to that mission and purpose and your why by being through it and not have and wanting to help other people navigate that same like hardship that you went through. It's powerful. Yeah. No, I've never I've never heard the uh, the Bruce Wayne comparison, but uh, that's pretty that's pretty catchy. I think I'm gonna have to keep that in mind. And, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe if I get to a point where I get a Lamborghini one day, I'll have to be black. So I bet you better not take a uh, 250 K in finance. They can just rip it on a lamp. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no. Nope. I don't think I need to tell you that, though. Oh, well, that's good. Well, hey, um, I appreciate you. We're coming up on the on the hour mark, and I really appreciate that ch- any chance I can get to sit down and talk with you, David, pick your brain. 
Um, I was telling a buddy of mine that I've gotten more value from talking to you, asking you finance questions for free. I feel like I need to start paying you. So now, now we're on record. So you got me. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess just a little summarize, you know, shout out for the business, you know, obviously the fractional CFO services, you know, somebody can look me up if they're interested, baneymanagement.com. I keep my blogs up there. Uh, it's B-E-H-N-E-Y management.com. Um, and then also on the financing side, uh, just putting it out there as well, I've been working with an investment group doing uh, some investing as well uh, through a business called BW Funding Strategies. Uh, it's myself and local investors in the Lebanon area. So we're always looking for new opportunities for businesses that are either doing startup, businesses that need uh, additional working capital. Um, so that's been a great opportunity recently as well. Well, reach out to David. You can find him also on X, probably Facebook, LinkedIn as well. Um, if, if you're someone that could use his help i 10 out of 10 recommend you reaching out and for everyone listening if you enjoyed today's episode please share it with a friend leave leave me a review it means the world and if you want to be a guest please reach out i'm, I'm always happy to have on new guest